0: Hello, I'm Helen Daly. Welcome to Build It, Thou Come. Candid interviews with amazing Australian entrepreneurs who started with a humble idea and built it into something substantial and sustainable. It's the human face behind how they built it. On today's
1: episode. So the campaign machine had already been built. We were just waiting for a candidate to be the train driver, basically. So since then, what we did in Moringa, we've shared that with a whole lot of other electorates around Australia. And now I think at the next election, you might have 40 or so community-backed independents.
0: Speaking last episode to Manly Beach local Mark Kelly on how he created and built up his global surfboard and paddleboard manufacturing and distribution business, Global Surf Industries, that now services some 74 countries, it's clear he's an action and outcome-oriented entrepreneur, a doer who quietly sets his mind on what a successful result should be and then makes it happen. So when Mark Kelly stumbled into political activism without really meaning to, he then took it up with gusto and ended up building a successful community movement. In 2018, Mark began a local grassroots political campaign with the catchy title, Vote Tony Out the Tony being former Prime Minister Tony Abbott, and the campaign's aim was to vote Tony Abbott out as the federal member for the seat of Warringah. Brazen? Yes. Provocative? Most certainly. Successful? Definitely. What started out as a small, closed Facebook group, Kelly ended up building into a large community-based political campaign That helped turf Tony Abbott out of the federal seat that he'd held for a quarter of a century. Mark Kelly's campaign also boosted the new independent candidate, now sitting MP, Zali Stegall. In part two of our chat this week, exactly how Mark Kelly built a successful political campaign from scratch that helped usher in the new wave of federal independence. I hope you enjoy it. I want to talk to you about another movement that you've started and built up entrepreneurially, but perhaps this one was a community movement and perhaps it was more inadvertent or the accidental movement. What became known as the Vote Tony Out, the political campaign to get rid of former Prime Minister Tony Abbott in the federal seat of Warringah.
1: Why did you do that and how did that come about? It came about just from sheer frustration and me thinking, I can't be the only person in this electorate who doesn't like Tony Abbott. He'd been the federal member for ringa for 24 years, but at the same time, he just didn't really appear to me to be representing the people of Ringa. How do you mean? One that pushed me over the edge was the same-sex marriage plebiscite that we sort of had to have. And so ringa was the second highest electorate voting yes in the country at 74 point something percent. But Tony Abbott abstained from voting on his own you know, religious mindset. And I thought, well, hang on, if you can't leave your own ideology behind and do your job and represent at the second highest vote in the country, you're not doing your job. And I thought, there's something in this. It's, I'm not the only one. So I started a closed Facebook group called Let's Not Reelect Tony Abbott. And I invited 30 or 40 people into that. And then Encourage people to invite their other friends, and all of a sudden, within a few months, I'd have had nearly 1,900 people in that. Each electorate in Australia is a hundred thousand people, and so I could see all these people who sort of loosely knew each other through connections. So I thought, how can I get this tribe to understand who they all are? Because it's if you think of marketing and you think of people like us do things like this, it's all about me recognizing you as one of our tribe, sort of thing to normalise things. So I started selling T-shirts, which is Time's Up Tony and, you know, let's not re-elect and uh, vote Tony out.
0: Which was actually, I mean, at the time when you started, it was very brazen, really. It was very personal. You know, you called him by his first name rather than say, let's get a new member for Warringah or something like that.
1: Well, it it was a conversation about Tony Abbott. It was a conversation about Tony Abbott with leaving Tony out of it because we didn't need to speak to him. I just needed to speak to the other hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred people who lived in Varinga, And so I started selling the T-shirts and then I started an Instagram. I love, I don't know if you've seen the Humans of New York Instagram. You should look it up. It's just a portrait of someone and then the guy basically tells their story in their words. So I started that Instagram page with Lane Beachley and it just sort of kicked off from there. And in the end, I'd sold... Six or six and a half thousand t shirts in Ringa. So I had six percent of Ringa wearing a vote Tony out shirt. And then I knew the Newsday honors would come up in 2018 or something. And I'd know Zali Stegel had bought a, ho- a whole lot of t shirts for her and her family for Christmas that year. In 2018, the thing to buy in Ringa was a vote Tony out shirt.
0: You didn't do it as a commercial operation.
1: You did it to build this community yes.
0: group to say we really do need a different member. Yeah, it was
1: just I have a business brain. And so in this community tribe thing, i sort of just operated my business brain and marketing and sort of just use that. And that sort of I think in lots of times that's what people don't have, but I just use the skill set that I've got to right. make. So them how happen.
0: many people did you get in the end joining you?
1: So the week before the election I put out a how to vote card. And that was downloaded 39,000 times. Wow. Yeah. And I thought, oh, that would be really cool to get Zali to be the Instagram person for New Year's Day because she's got an OAM. So I talked to her and said, oh, would you like to do this? And she said, yes. And then over Christmas, her and her family were talking and it sort of came out that who was the candidate that we had in mind and blah, blah, blah. And so on the 4th of January, she rang me and said, or one of her friends rang me and said, hey, what's going on with the candidate? Zali would really love to have a chat to you about that. So I put her in touch with a bigger group of people. That was on the 4th. I can't remember. About a week later, we had a go no go meeting with a sort of the cohort of different groups in Ringa. And we said, okay, yeah, Zali's a great candidate. And then on the twenty-seventh of January, we launched her campaign. It was really interesting because I had that database of people. We launched her campaign at North Harbor Reserve down, you know, in North Belgala. And because I had the database of people, I sent 600 people a text message that morning saying, hey, Vote Tony out It's going to endorse Sally Stegall. We're having a media launch and the launch of their campaign down at North Harbour Reserve. And we had nearly 400 people turn up. So you can imagine the media when they turn up, this press release has gone out. They're thinking, oh yeah, what's going on here? And it'll just be like Zali's down there doing interviews. And they rock up down there and there's 400 people in all the t-shirts. And it was just on. From that point on, it was a two horse race. So you just got
0: momentum going enormously. Were you supporting her financially?
1: Oh, no, my job, my job really was to sort of – I was pouring so much money into just building the tribe. Yeah, the Facebook community, yeah. the Instagram community. Yeah, I was really building that sort of community program so then that would parlay into once Sally launched. There was lots of momentum in Ringo just to build that. So the campaign machine had already been built we were just waiting for a candidate to to be the train driver, basically. So since then, what we did in Moringa, we've shared that with a whole lot of other electorates around Australia. And now, I think at the next election, you might have forty or so community-backed independents standing. What chance will they have? I'm predicting probably eight to ten will get in. So I think we'll have a minority government, which I think will be a really good thing for Australia. Actually, is that wishful thinking? Not really. Not from the
0: sort of knowledge that I have. It's interesting because uh, uh, just back to this election, Zali Stegall did in fact unseat Tony Abbott. Were you in your campaign, were you a bunch of hyper-politicised, ideological left-wing ratbags?
1: No. The interesting thing is I surveyed the group multiple times because I knew I would be doing media interviews and pretty much 95% of the people who were involved had never been political before. 96% of the people had never done donated to a political party or anything political before. So it just really engaged people. And most of the times, if you think of elections, no one really has a conversation until the election's called, where we started this conversation two years beforehand. And that's what's going on around Australia now, is that people have been starting these community groups pretty much from since the day the last election was done, going, hang on, if they can do it in Ringer and they can do it in Indi, and Karen Phelps had a brief interlude there, why can't we do it here? And so I think that's the big difference that you're finding in McKellar and Wentworth and Yong and Goldstein and all these other electorates around Australia where people are really active and they're just having that conversation going, is this career politician, is he really representing us or is he just representing his party who has nothing to do with us?
0: So what do you reckon the secret source was to convince, in Waringa's case, it's a fairly conservative, normally Liberal voting electorate
1: to follow you? It's just having the conversation. If someone doesn't invite you to a party, then you're just sitting on your couch on a Saturday night. But if someone wants to have a conversation and invite you somewhere, then you, you've at least got a, a point to engage or not engage. My job in that electorate was just to get people to start the conversation. And from that point on and listen, and I was, I was teaching people active listening skills. Like, okay, you're not telling anyone anything. I want you to ask a question and shut up. Listen to that answer. Ask another question based on that response. Ask another question based on that response. And then you would very quickly understand that people had just been voting the same way for years with no thought process. Once they had a thought process, they were actually questioning why they'd been doing what they'd been doing. That's a really interesting thing. I think people are just apathetic towards politics and I think that's changing.
0: Do you sometimes think, how did I do that? How did I build this community movement?
1: I think now when I get calls from around Australia and you know, other people are saying, oh, you should call Cal. He's got some knowledge in that and I'm helping. At one stage, I was working with about 23 different electorates and there's lots of other people in Ringo working with Lots of other people, and you're just teaching them basic skills and basically, you know, how to be organized, how to build a community movement, what to do, what not to do. I'm really, I think, hopeful that true democracy starts because I don't think, you know, the Liberal Party and the Labour Party only have about 15,000 members each, and they decide who gets sort of put up and then. And what policies, and what policies. And you think, hang on, there's another 26 million of us who aren't participating here. So it's sort of like we've outsourced our democracy to people who are quite centred in their policies and how they think. And lots of times that doesn't have much to do with the rest of us, you know? So it's, I don't know, it's sort of disruptive, I think. Extraordinary effort, really.
0: Mark, on your LinkedIn page, there are some headlines about what you decided in September 2021.
1: Can you tell me what it says? I really just decided in 2021 just to dedicate the rest of my life to three things. One's being entrepreneurial, which is building the business, um, because the business really is, it's sort of oxygen in my bloodstream. The other one is activism. Political activism, community activism. Community activism, I think on in, in environment as well. And the other thing is just philanthropic sort of stuff. So through the business, we can do lots of philanthropic things. We've started a carbon levy. We charge our own customers. So it's $2 for a surfboard and $4 for an SUP. And that money is going back into us funding. I think if you look at um, climate change, and the two big drivers there are transport and energy. And what I want to do there is normalize renewable energy and change in transport so now we're going to fund renewable energy through our staff through our customers through our vendors on a ratio thing so it might be the staff want to put solar panels on their house we'll we'll pay for half of that and they can pay for half of that but until the world really does take on real change and if you think of everyone wants to do something about climate change but when you start talking to people say well what are you doing well yeah I'm sort of recycling and doing this and you know I don't, I don't buy coffee in a plastic cup and you sort of go, that's not going to get us over the line. And then I've just been supporting a lot of things about mental health. I think the last couple of years have been pretty tough. And I know, sort of thinking about myself, I know there's been different periods of just sort of mild anxiety and I'm in a really fortunate position that I've got lots of people around me and I can reach out and I've had different psychologists and helped me through different periods of my life anyway. So I think I'm really lucky there, but not everyone does have that. And so just normalising a little bit of mental health, I think, is a really good thing and setting different organisations up that they can be better than they are now. And that, and they just need support to do that.
0: Great goals. I just want to ask you a few quick questions. They don't have to be long answers. I do ask most of my guests this. What are you obsessed about at the moment?
1: Well, I'm nearly always obsessed about the weather. Um, <laughs> just being on being a surfer and... It's just an innate thing about which way the wind's going, what, what tide is it, that sort of defines what I do in the morning. But again, I'm sort of obsessed with just connection and community and having conversations.
0: What's the toughest thing you've faced in your entrepreneurial journey?
1: Uh, it's for me, it's actually just management of people. You know, I think I'm quite good, like through Vote Tony, I'm good at inspiring people to do things and having conversations, but I'm not really a great day-to-day manager, I think. It's a little bit about avoidance. You know, sometimes you just think, you know, I'm paying that guy a hundred grand a year. He should be better than that. So I sort of can sometimes avoid having conversations where- You don't like perhaps the tough conversations that might need to be had. I have them, but I don't like to have them, you know, but again- If you want to be a great manager, then again, you just need to normalize that. So it's not a tough conversation. I think that's one of the things that I've worked on for a long time is just making that uncomfort zone smaller and smaller and smaller. So you work on yourself. And that's one of the things that came out of Vote Tony Out. And if you talk to anyone in that movement, there's a great lady in, in McKellar called Anya Geddes who helped start a thing called McKellar Rising, which led Sophie Scamps to stand as a candidate. But we were talking about how doing that community activity, it really makes your comfort zone grow because you're basically going, okay, I need to have this conversation. How am I going to do it? What am we going to do? What are, I really want to get someone from here to here. And so it's a, it's a beautiful thing, I think. Yeah, I really like that. What's the biggest lesson you've learned as an entrepreneur? I think for me it's always think long-term. So I think the short-term decisions that you make are nearly always come back to bite you in the bum. So think long-term and try to be... I think just cognizant of what you need and what the business needs long-term as opposed to how do I get myself out of this short-term fix sort of thing.
0: And if a young person or any person said to you, should I do this? Should I follow a dream? Should I start a business? What would you say?
1: (laughs) I just see lots of people start businesses that don't have legs long-term. The world's constantly changing, so maybe I'm not up with it. All the time, but I, I just think sometimes you've got to have a really good idea. Don't make a decision based on not wanting to have a job, if you know what I mean. There's a lot of security in having a job and there's a lot of risk in being a business owner. And a lot of people, I guess, want to have that short term, I don't want to have a job sort of thing, so I'll start a business. What is it? Too romantic a view? I think that's sometimes, not I, think it, yeah, and- I think right now there's a lot of romantic views. And it's a lot of it's built by platforms, whether it's sort of Shopify or different things. And they're sort of pushing the, even Google, they're pushing turnover as, as opposed to profitability. So you can turn over 30 grand a year, but your costs are 28,000 bucks a year, you, you've made no money, you've worked like a dog. And I just see this over and over again, where I'm sort of mentoring different people in businesses now, just smaller businesses. You sort of go, hang on. This is not sustainable long-term. You've got to change some things about this, but they've already painted themselves into a corner so they can't make those changes. To
0: put that in a capsule, you'd say, you know, think very seriously about, uh, put away the romantic side of the idea or the the dream and think very practically
1: about it. Yeah, and the other thing is you've got to have a unique position like offering yeah that's what's what's your unique offering that's differentiating you from someone else as opposed to just being another two one and you yours is just turquoise you know, so that's an interesting sort of thing. Like what's what's your unique selling feature or the unique proposition with your business that's going to get your customers not just now but in, say, five years' time? Mark Kelly,
0: the founder <laughs> and driver of Global Surf Industries, thank you so much for joining me on Build It, Thou Come. Thanks, Helen. It's been great talking to you. I hope you enjoyed Build It, Thou Come. Let me know via Twitter and LinkedIn. Better still, let your family, friends and colleagues know by sharing it around your networks. And I'd love you to give it a star rating on Apple Podcasts to make it easier for others to find us. Be sure to subscribe as there are plenty of upcoming episodes you don't want to miss with more amazing innovators and entrepreneurs on how they turn their light bulb idea into an empire.